You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. right baby we back 2022 feels weird right i guess every every year feels a little weird when you have the new year but happy new year to everyone i know <laughs> right what do we we do this for a month i don't know two weeks three weeks i don't know but it is it, it is a new year and you know it's exciting i'm i guess It's weird because I a lot of people go, hey, Doc, what's your uh, resolution? And I don't really have one because the theme of 21 was survive. And that I did. <laughs> so I guess I'm I'm almost, I don't know, just, just keeping your, your head above ground level or, or above, above water sometimes actually feels like an accomplishment. And... So in, in this weird way, I'm kind of going to move into the year with a new sense of appraisal and I'm going to, I think I'm going to develop some goals and set my sights on a few things because some of the challenges have just been so monumental. Just getting through them feels like a victory, you know, getting through them in one piece, I would say. But, but anyway, so there's kind of a, a lot to talk about our last episode with John Bush immediately became either the most downloaded show or neck and neck with the David Lombardo show. We got about 25,000 downloads in a, in a few days. So that's pretty cool. And I guess what both had in common was blabbermouth took quotes out and put in there. So I guess blabbermouth moves the needle. So apparently I I just need to do interviews with people that get played on blabbermouth. So Ted Nugent, I, I talk to Ted Nugent. I don't care. I think it, it'd probably be actually a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that's really cool. So th- so much so much thanks to John Bush, Armored Saint Camp, of course. And what else? I have this thing wrong with my arm slash neck slash back. This happened to me like ten months ago, and basically I just can't use my left arm. It hurts all the time. It's super weird. So I've been kind of dealing with that, and it's kind of just a constant pain level at around like eight or nine and no way to alleviate it except stay busy. So I guess staying busy, this is, this is helping, right? Just talking about something else. So I've been dealing with that. That's very annoying. And the big thing is got back in the rehearsal room with the bad wolves dudes and been jamming these new songs and it's sounding great. And so far it's just me and Chris, John comes in tomorrow. Um, 
waiting for Kyle to get in. He's not, he's been under the weather. And then DL gets in, in like 10 days. So we're just like, you know, we picked, I think about seven or eight songs from the new record to put in like the library of songs we want to choose from, uh, whether that's on a headlining show or, um, you know, some of these support shows where we're probably, you know, this Papa Roach tour, I don't know how long we're going to get. We only get to play seven or eight songs max. So probably like half new, half old and, you know, have a, a, a master list of that stuff. So we, you know, we're, we know we can play the old songs. That's, we're not too worried about that, but getting the new stuff is, is a whole, whole different ball of wax, but we feel really ahead of the curve and things are just, they're sounding pretty good. I think these songs are just going to be work really well live, which is exciting especially when you write them and put them together but you don't get to play them as a band because records are made so differently now than they were years ago you know with every goth bid record we would even if we wrote stuff on our own we would always get in the room and hash it out vegas nerve did that we we got in the room before we recorded the record and bad wolves it works a lot differently so it's we don't get to see them in their fully formed uh version until usually after the record is done. So it's like this cool discovery process or like, well, what, what, what part are you going to play here? And working out what vocal harmonies you're going to do. And it's, uh, you know, guitar effects and things like that. It's a lot of fun. So I'm just, I'm look very excited to be really busy with bad wolf stuff. And yeah, I'm trying to think any other stuff going on with, with the band, but yeah, expect to see a lot more social media activity with the band and, you know, clips of us playing and hanging out and just being more available. And that's really exciting. And I think we're going to be relaunching our Patreon page sometime in the next month or so. So that's exciting too. developing a lot of content and stuff for that. Bounce some ideas around. It's, it's, it is go time. All right. And really exciting. In many ways, I actually feel like this is the start of our album cycle because we started we put the record out and didn't, you know, I was doing the wedding band. I mean, I talked about this on, I think probably the last episode, other episodes, but it's, it really feels like everything's starting now. So there's this lull and it's going to be, it's going to be an exciting process to kind of expose this music to people over the course of the next year or so. So looking forward to it. Anyway, we have a show sponsor this week coming back again. Um, Mr. Nick Bell from God size records is the gift that keeps on giving a huge supporter of the show. We had him on had God size sponsor show with Mark Rizzo, not that long ago. And they have another band and this band is called sin shrift. Very interesting band name. And one word sin shrift got to have a little bit of a tongue twister. And I believe they're from Arizona. Not, I'm not totally sure, but I think they're from Arizona and we're going to play a song released from them just in 2021. Now it's weird saying that, that that's in the past now, but I guess last year, 2021, but it's not that old. It came out in September. This song is entitled Run.
So you just heard Sin Shrift with their new song entitled Run. That was a really cool song. Kind of had a Breaking Benjamin vibe to it. Very hooky, very kind of atmospheric. But, you know, they're doing that hard rock thing very, very well. Um, yeah, if you want to check them out, I would go over to their Facebook page, uh, which is facebook.com backslash Sin Shrift. And the way it's spelled, it's S-I-N. S-H-R-I-F-T, all one word, or you can go over to the God Size Records website, which is www.godsizerecs.com. Uh, their self-titled album is out right now. You can check out check that out over at the website or just, you know, wherever you stream music and the band, you know, they're out there playing shows, they're doing stuff, check them out, tell them Doc Coyle sent you and you appreciate what they do, and I appreciate them supporting the show, and I appreciate God Size Records uh, sponsoring the show. If you'd like to sponsor the show, shoot me an email at thexmanpodcast at gmail.com. We actually do have some slots opening up, so things are looking up if you're interested in hearing your band on the show. So hit get, get, get at your boy, all right? Get at me. All right, so without further ado, I'm going to talk about our guests. We have... A guest, a guy I've known for a long time, and it's kind of interesting when you have people you kind of, I've been doing this so long, you know, in terms of being a musician, and you forget how many people just make an impact on you, and you make an impact on through, throughout the years, and uh, Jeremy, former drummer of uh, Five Finger Death Punch, we go way back, man, and he's just always been one of the sweetest dudes, always been supportive, um, and you know, it's, it, it was great to see their journey, you know, even when we first met, they were still on the, and they were never small, but they, but to see where they went, it's just been an incredible thing. So it was just a nice journey with Jeremy to kind of just almost go back in time with our friendship and how we've connected and kind of see where he's at now with his new band. So this is a, this is a true X man because, uh, you know, we're talking about his journey as a as a musician and things he's done, and it's just great guy, great drummer, and very cool person. So please check out my conversation with the awesome Jeremy Spencer. What's going on, brother man? What's up, man? I haven't, I haven't seen you in like three years. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> How's it going? Great. Everything's good, man. I'm really happy for you guys, too, by the way. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, man. I'm just, uh, you know, every every day that we're even <laughs> existing is is a, a little bit of a miracle. You know, it's, <laughs> it's um, but yeah, some of the early, it's like, you know, you can get into all the analytics and see where things are working for you. You can see areas that need to do a lot better, but, you know, considering everything, it's it's definitely like... We got some momentum, you know, which is all about kind of keeping it moving, you know? Dude, I knew it was going to be this way. I'm so happy for you. I, I, it's, it's really cool because I, I've i been there when, it, when you guys were just starting and just like, you know, opening the tours and stuff. And now you're killing it. I love it, man. Like you're experiencing all the good shit and a lot of the crazy shit too. But <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm really happy for you. Well, I mean, not for nothing. I mean, we w- there would be no Bad Wolves probably at all without five finger death punch i mean that's just a fact you know yeah. I mean, you, you guys took us under the wing and obviously with zoltan managing the band and kind of helping 
you know, just launched that first record. But yeah, I mean, you guys, you know, basically are everything we have, <laughs> you know, in a kind of way, like with you guys, right? When Corn, Corn yeah. was the band that took you guys out, right? Yeah, Corn and Disturbed both kind of took us under their wing and, and got us in front of a lot of people. And that really was so helpful and, and uh, helping break the band, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think that stuff is, is so fundamental right like always like putting the olive branch down right and lifting up other artists and and kind of keeping that movement like we all like in a way like we, we always have to pay that forward in, in, in whatever way possible yeah i feel yeah like good that. karma man that's the way to do it not the bad karma <laughs> yeah but but it's was, it was funny like I said we were kind of attached at the hip for about two 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 and a half years. I don't even know how many tours we we did together. Um, and then, you know, it was there was all the rumblings. You know, like Jeremy's Jeremy's leaving the band, and it was it was kind of kind of crazy because I was, you know, kind of there for it. I was kind of a witness to it to to, to some degree. And uh, yeah, we ever I've ever really seen yeah. you in a while, just outside of just you know, messaging on social media and kind of checking in checking in with with each other. But uh, how has the last three years been? it started a little weird because I had to get back surgery and it yeah. was really brutal and it set me back. It was like a, almost a two year recovery. I mean, I was still doing life and stuff, but I wasn't a hundred percent and it was just frustrating. And, uh, but once that got cleared away, you know, I feel great now. Like I, I could play drums if I wanted to, but I'm just, my focus is in, on other things right now. So, um, but yeah, I'm feeling really good. Can I ask what kind of back surgery it was? Yeah, I had to get some disc replacement and then uh, fusion. So oh. it was like L4, L5, S1, the low back from double bass, man. Yeah. Sitting and traveling and backpacks and shit, you know, just being older and wearing down. Yeah, I had back surgery myself about a year ago, but nothing that intense, um, even though maybe at some point I might have to do some stuff like that. But I, I, I can't imagine um, given... You know, I always say like the drummer and the singers have it worse <laughs> on tour because you're giving so much of your kind of physicality just and it's such a a slog, right? You're playing 90 minutes uh, yeah. and it's not like Five Finger Death Punch songs, you know, especially those early songs with that <laughs> really like 220, you know, 16th note double bass, man. That yeah. stuff was no joke. Yeah, definitely not. And uh I was always like, shit, man, we started like 10 years too late. Why couldn't <laughs> physically we just have gotten the chance, you know, but it's okay. It worked out. Hey, man, you should have seen you guys didn't do like the real four on the floor stuff to like the third record. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, hey, this works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, you, so you're, you're dealing with that, um, but had to go through the the recovery process and and a lot of things people don't really realize with that stuff as well as there's also being in pain and recovering like it takes also takes a lot of you mentally because you're sedentary right you can't do the things you want to do and just just waking up in pain every day like really could de just depress you i was depressed and it was moving from different parts like it went from my back to my hips and because oh, everything's yeah. compensating sure for sure so like what the fuck is next you know <laughs> yeah but, no okay i know i know all about that well what about the the kind of the mental side of i was in this band you know one of the most successful 
rock metal bands in the world for you know over a decade and you're you're on tour you're but you know you know you know how it is work 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 and all of a sudden you can kind of uh you know i guess i don't know if it's called being a regular guy because i don't know if you ever kind of be that but <laughs> now you have this kind of freedom to you know you're just away from the thing you're used to and what what was that experience like you know what i was so ready to be away from it at that point that it was a welcome refreshing change and I, I was decompressing and just kind of reprogramming and i had to step off that train man and, and yeah. once i did i was like okay shit i got to do all that crazy stuff that was a lot of fun and it was a lot of not fun and it was a lot of all of it you know i mean it's everything like you think it will be and nothing like you think it will be so you know how it is man it's uh it's quite the ride and you're you're dealing with a lot of people that need you on a certain schedule uh everyone has their wants and desires their vision of how it should go everyone gets a little stubborn a little stuck in their ways a little you know, um, lazier, <laughs> you, you know, Ooh, we can make more money to, you know, you, you start thinking money and you start, it, it does creep in. Um, but we held it together. We did it. We did a fairly admirable job of keeping it together, but I, I knew in my heart, my body wasn't going to hold up to yeah. be able to do, I wanted to be able to enjoy it and rock and give the people the best show possible. And when it wasn't there anymore, it's like an athlete going shit, man, I can't dunk the ball. Like I did when I was yeah. you know, 25. So it was just the right time. It was the right break. And, um, you know, I don't regret any of it. It was a great learning experience. And I got to experience shit that a lot of people dream about. And I'm very fortunate and I'm very blessed made it earned a good living. Um, and it was just, I knew it was my time. It, there was no second guessing. Like, should I just hang in there? No, nah, I was, I mean, shit over a decade. So. Yeah. It's, it's good to have clarity, right. About what you want. And and especially when quitting me, I had to do that with God forbid, where I, I hit a point where I was like, I just knew <laughs> and no one else can tell you different. Right. <laughs> um, exactly. It doesn't matter. And how, shit, how long were you in that? 16 years. I mean, I, I was started that we, we weren't called God forbid yet, but, uh, we started playing together when I was 16. I was a sophomore in high school and went till I was, I quit when I was 32. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you touring with us too. Uh, and God forbid. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, listen, man, that's one thing I, it, you know, it's this, it's this funny thing within the, the metal world where when a band becomes really successful, people love to shit on them or especially on the internet, everyone's got something to say. Uh, but I say, but, but, but we always got along with you guys, like, like from, from, from day one. And a lot of bands will tell you, oh, we'll take you on tour. Let's do it. But they don't often do it. And yeah. we met, we, we met you guys. And I don't know if it's like maybe hanging out the, the Starland or maybe some festivals. I, I know we, like, I was hanging out with, uh, Zoltan at like download in like 20 in 2009 or something like that. But yeah. We were, just, you know, got to talking and we got tour offers, you know, and it, it, it actually, the band actually backed it up. And that's just, you know, to me, that's like character, you know, it's not just like blowing smoke up, up, up your ass. So, you know, a lot of people just love to talk shit, but it's like, ultimately, you know, we know who the real cool motherfuckers are. Cause you're like, <laughs> we're in, no, seriously, like behind scenes and whatever, but. 
well, we were fans, you know, we, we dug your records and we were like, Hey, these guys were part of the bring back metal movement. You know, yeah. you guys were that band and one of those bands. And we, that's like, we wouldn't be able to do what we were doing without you guys in a way. So yeah. it's, it's all about helping each other out, man. And we dug your music. Yeah, man. Um, it was, that was, you know, I was kind of going to do this in a different order, but since you're kind of bringing that up, it kind of, maybe I'll just ask these questions now about kind of the, when Five Finger put out that first record and the band was first starting to break, it was maybe you you guys knew this before um, before I realized it or the, or the rest of the scene was that I also thought what you guys were doing was bringing something else back, which was when I was listening, um, you know, to that to that record, it kind of reminded me like half of it felt like it was inspired by the kill switches and the shadows falls and had that modern take on it with the solos and the kind of screen parts and the singing parts. But then there was this real element steeped in kind of the history of, of what was going on in new metal that a lot of bands had kind of abandoned. And yeah. so it kind of like, and what it spoke to me was that there was actually a, when the band kind of hit right away, it told me that there was a, a demand yeah. from the people that like no one was serving that. You know, so it's like a little bit of that familiar thing with the new metal stuff, but then wrapped in this kind of metal, modern metal package. Was that yeah. something that was like planned? I I think so. I think there, it was kind of. I mean, it wasn't fully that, but definitely elements of that. And uh, Zoltan had his finger on the pulse of, of, of that and kind of what he wanted to do. And I recognize it right away. I'm like, OK, this we're on to something here. And it, it connected, man. Um it took a minute, but then it as soon as it did, bam! It was it was like nine months to get that song, the bleeding, and then it hit, and then everything changed after that. It's a whirlwind, man. Just kept getting bigger and more tours, and never taking a break. And <laughs> you know, it was awesome. Yeah, I remember the moment I kind of realized where the first time I saw you guys was on Family Values tour, but you were on the second stage. Yes, right. And we're sitting there watching. I think I had the record. Um, or I'd like, I'd heard a few songs and we're watching it and I was like, you know, it's kind of nodding along. And it's funny, like, you know what Ivan's voice reminded me of back then and, you know, for, was Keith Caputo from Life of Agony. Ah. That's what it reminded me of. I was like, man, this is kind of like, it's like a kind of fast kind of slipknot with Keith Caputo sing. That's what it like kind of vibes with me. Right. Yeah. I'm sitting, I'm sitting there watching it and I'm with my girlfriend and she's like, I really like them. And I was like. And I was like, as soon as you get the girls, I was like, I was like, I think this band's got it. <laughs> we kind of noticed that too. And it changed from the first two tours to, you know, the the big dudes and the t-shirts to by the end, it was like, okay, there's actually some women here now. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of neat. And but then it was also like, shit, there's also six-year-old kids. What the <laughs> fuck are we turning them to kiss on the dynasty tour? <laughs> Dude, but, but that was kind of crazy because the first tour we did together was the 2010 tour. It was uh, you guys, Shadows Fall, us, and Two Cents. And we were a replacement band, right? Uh, Throwdown was supposed to do the tour. Right. They, they, they canceled. And we got a call, I mean, two or three weeks before the tour started. So we was very kind of, um, you know, last minute. And it was this interesting time in the band. And I think it was when, uh, I want to say, War is the Answer was out. I want to say, mm -hmm. um, and um, and uh, you guys were basically like a 
club slash theater band, but yeah. you could see this thing almost like 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 you said with the family thing that I hadn't I hadn't seen that with a metal band <laughs> around that size where it kind of reminded me I was like this is almost like going to a Metallica show but the band's in a theater where yeah. it's the whole fa- it's a family thing and I was like that that was just really unique and I saw how the uh, you know the the branding and the merchandise and the way people dress like there was just something extra there and then event and then we had the good fortune to do your first ever arena run, which was the right. Trespass tour, which was oh, yeah. And that was two years later in, in 2012 with Killswitch and uh, Trivium, Pop Evil, and a Mirror, and God forbid. Yeah, it's funny because we used to have our dressing room slash recording studio, and it was called Frank's Dong. That's the sign mm-hmm. that used to say. So you'd walk down the hallway. It's a Killswitch Engage, Trivium, God forbid. Frank's dong. <laughs> and people, I would always hear him out in the hall go, Frank's dong, what the fuck is that? And it's a do not enter, you know, like we made it some big fucking mystery. It was just a stupid thing that Jason came up with. And we I still I still don't think I knew I knew that till now. So thanks for, for letting me know it was in there. I thought it was like porn shoots or hot dog uh, you know, you know, kind of cooking up in there. I don't know. It's so funny, man. I loved it. Frank's dong. You know, everyone's going, what the fuck is Frank's dong? (laughs) (laughs) Just stupid shit that keeps you entertained on tour. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty common. I think uh, Breaking Ben, they have some funny names for for some of their rooms as as well. I forget, I forget all the names, but it was some some good stuff. Yeah. I remember when we toured with Corn, they had a tour. The name of the tour was Bitch, We Have a Problem Tour. (laughs) And I thought that was a great name for a tour, man. I'm like, fuck, you guys win. That's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> but but what was it it, it kind of like did was there a um a sense within the band that there was this kind of inherent potential to go from you know being a club band or a theater band to being an arena band to, to doing the platinum records and being at that level was there a sense early on that that was the trajectory or it just kind of happened supernaturally i think after Wars, the answer came out and Bad Company hit. We were like, okay, this thing has potential to reach an even wider audience because it was happening. And uh, so then that kind of creeps in your mind like, well, you got to be careful a little bit on on this next record. And I was a little nervous and we had just lost our bass player, Matt. And it's like, you know, we need to make sure that we do not lay a fucking turd. We need to come <laughs> out with something that's strong. And we were fortunate enough, uh, Zoltan came out with Under and Over It and we didn't have our up tempo yet. And when he finally came up with that one, I'm like, okay, we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're good. And then, cause I knew we had the ballads and stuff and coming down. And so I knew we were covering that, but we needed that undeniable we're back kickoff lead off single. You know, you guys obviously have that now. Um, you know what it's like. So <laughs> well, also, also know about getting that boost, that cover, right? That cover song. <laughs> hey man, it, it, you know, it's, whatever it takes man it's so brutal to break through and you guys definitely caught light lightning in a bottle but it was meant to be and fuck man you had to carry the fucking torch once it was lit so it's not like you know it was a one-off it's not a smooth criminal one-off you guys have a bunch of fucking hit songs man oh well thank you i i take credit for nothing i i didn't you know the the zombie thing wasn't even really my thing uh, but I just happened to be along for the ride and, and uh, thankful to just 
happy to just be nominated. I'll say Dude, that. <laughs> your role, I know, I have a feeling I know what kind of what your role is in that band, and it's vital to making a fucking machine roll. So thank you. It was definitely meant to be. And if just because you didn't come up with the idea to do zombie doesn't mean shit. You've taken the torch and, and carried this thing to a new place, man. Like it's you, you're it's a vi- everyone that's in that, it's vital to make this machine roll. It's just you know, uh, people don't get that. I mean, may, you you may be best friends or not, but whenever you guys get together on that stage, that chemistry is there and uh, it's working. It's working. It's great. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast. A songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, And I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget, and we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Yeah, man. Listen, it's I'm a big believer in kind of the concept of bands and everyone making everyone else better and you know and and maximize you know like we in a way we should maximize everyone's talent right and give everyone the opportunity to be their their best selves and and hopefully that chemistry comes out and then all of a sudden when you're together it's like the five you know no no pun intended but like the five you know the five fingers of the fist and everyone is better as a unit than they are individually yeah, you could tell. I mean, when you guys got together and, and did your intros before the show with the big rally, you know, like I guess Kyle leads that. Yeah. Know, that crazy <laughs> shit. That was great, but it was shit's works, man. You guys get pumped up and go out there and kill it. Dude, it's it's well, especially like a lot of those tours we we first did, we were the first band on. And so yeah. you have to you have to set the tone. And a lot of times almost I felt that first album, it was pretty fucking heavy. And I was I was like, 
I was like, are we like too heavy? Because we would, so we'd open up for Nickelback on that first album, and it was like, this is, and but our other songs didn't sound like fucking zombie. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey man, it worked. It worked. That song was massive, and uh, then you had some good follow-ups. Right on, man. Listen, man, you're too kind, but we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you, brother. <laughs> and hey, you're man, I'm just room playing. room of plaques. <laughs> the room of plaques. Well, I'm. I'm not in that room now. I'm in my man cave with all my sports and horror movie shit right now. But nice, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, well, well. No, I mean, it, I'm. How, how just did it feel? I mean, once you guys were at that level, and the, like I said, the fascinating thing about me being on that tour, the 2012 tour, which was the first time you guys tried to do arenas, is from what I gathered, it wasn't considered to be that successful. It was kind of a, a herky jerky entrance into that realm and what's fascinating in hindsight was that it shows to me that none of this stuff is super linear right like sometimes you do something and you go well it's not where we want it to be but you know what we're just going to keep the focus keep the you know w whatever drive allow that to well okay the, the arenas aren't totally full now but guess what fast forward a year two yeah. years those fucking arenas were sold out we wanted to take the chance and just kind of do our, you know, be a leader and try something, step out of the, the formula of, of building this thing. And uh, yeah, there weren't a lot of ticket sales, but it was fun. And I, to be honest with you, I personally made more money on that tour than I had up to that point. So to yeah. me, it was success. I'm like, shit, yeah. what do you mean it was a failure? Fuck, I'm I'm happy. <laughs> well, yeah, with those, with those arenas, though, it's like if you have a 7,000 cap arena or something, right? Yeah. Some hockey arena. But you sell twenty seven hundred tickets. They have <laughs> basically a, a split point that if they don't sell, I don't know, five thousand two hundred tickets, then the show loses money because those venues are so expensive just to open the doors, right? Just to have the union workers and the security and have the vent like it just just turning the lights on in those in those places is very expensive. So it it has to hit a certain threshold to be profitable, you know. We definitely learned that, and uh, it was like, it's an eye-opener, because you think, oh, we'll take out all the metal bands, it's going to work, you know, and then you're like, fuck, it's a third full, <laughs> or, you know, there's some shows where it was fun. they went off, and there were a lot of people there, but yeah. for the most part, it was pretty half-attended. <laughs> well, I remember Hook was saying that the real, what changed the way those venues got filled up was you guys, instead of leaning more towards the metal underground bands, you started kind of more embracing the, the radio rock type scene yeah yeah and that was something that we weren't really familiar with and that was that was influenced by kovac for sure you know yeah. um both of our manager and he he knew he knows how to put the bands together in the right package and and, and sell the thing man the dude's incredible with that <laughs> it seemed to work he definitely so we were learning as we went he knows the shit. I got to get him on here one day. See if he'll he'll uh, bend my ear on the show. It'll be fun. There's no better conversationalist than Alan Kovac, man. He's got every <laughs> fucking cool story and shit. It's, he's awesome to talk to, man, as you know. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, you know, working with the massive bands he has. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, it's just been impressive to kind of see the band at different junctures with my old band and then with battles. It's, it's, so funny how the stuff kind of comes full circle, right? You know, it just through, through the through the years and how we kind of stay stay connected, uh, despite the changes in our, in our in our lives. And speaking of changes, uh, 
in the last few years, you've become a front man, a singer for a band called Psycho Sinner. And mm -hmm. what was the genesis of that concept? Was that something you were already working on when you were still in Five Finger Death Punch? Yeah, e even before Death Punch, I was doing kind of like a new wave poppier project it was like 80s new wave influence it was kind of gary newman meets prince and kind of sexually charged lyrics and stuff so that's how the psychosexual name came about first it was called psychosexual and then i did a record where i kind of added guitars and it was a little heavier and then i was like okay i want to put a band together um threw something out real quick didn't really promote it hadn't really figured out what I wanted to do band wise. And then we just kept writing and recording because the pandemic, there was no place to play. You could do like a live stream show, which we tried once and I didn't like it. But um, so we just woodshed it and wrote and recorded as much as we can. And then we came out with a song called Devil from Hell. I'm like, shit, I wish that would have been the first song that we would have released because it's it's kind of a good stomping up tempo number. I just thought it was a better introductory piece. So I'm like, let's just fucking start over. Who gives a shit? I mean, there's no rules. Yep. I'm not on a label. It's my label. Like, let's let's fucking do it, start over. So we did. And then I was like, fuck, it's still not right, man. This name is not right. This name is not fit. We're not, we don't write, it's not a sex band, you know? Like, let's let's fucking change the name. So I did. So there's no rules, man. We when you do it yourself, you can carve it up any way you want it. Have you always been a vocalist? You know what? I just, I'd like to write songs and then just sing on them, but I never consider myself a singer. I just always like to create and sing the songs and listen back and enjoy it for myself. And then you kind of learn how to do it a little better as you go. And I'm still learning now. I mean, I'm fucking learning how to sing now. So <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's fun. It's different. It's a different role, man. Well, it takes a certain amount of bravado to not only be a singer, but but to just be the front person, right? To be to get kind of the attention and be the uh, the ringmaster, uh, so to speak, and kind of is it is that something you naturally gravitate towards? I think so. I mean, I've always been one to talk shit in one way or another. So it's like, <laughs> hey, man, give me the mic. I'll be glad to talk shit to the audience. No problem. I mean, I'm six feet in front of the drum kit with a mic now, so it's OK. So have you, have you guys actually been playing live shows? We did one show and then we did one live stream show. So we've done two so far, but okay. we have four shows booked in February. So we're going to do a West coast run coming up. So, so what was the, um, I want to know where the, the whole mask and like, or is it a mask or is it, is it uh makeup or both? It's, it's both. It's prosthetic from like here up and then the rest is all airbrush. Okay. Who it's came a lot up with of that? fucking work. Uh, I, I came up with, with, uh, a friend of mine here in Vegas, who's a makeup artist. And, um, the first time we tried putting that shit on when we didn't know what we were doing, it took like six hours. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. That's like Jim Carrey <laughs> and the Grinch every day. You know? Yeah, I'm, for I'm real. That. So now we have it down to about 70 minutes, which is still pushing it, but I can tolerate that. Was that your idea? Yeah. I mean, I was like, what the fuck is this guy going to look like? I can't just go up there as me. Or some dude in black jeans and a black t-shirt that we've seen a million fucking times. Let's try something we haven't seen a million times. I'm like, I've never seen a devil frontman ever. So I don't know how, but I've see, never seen one. See, I say we go even more, right? And then you and then you get those big the the Tim with Tim Curry devil from Legend. You get the giant horns. Let's go yeah. full on devil, all right? Just keep it going. It's Different. endless possibilities, man. There's <laughs> being a character, you can do anything you want. 
<laughs> were you because i remember when, when we we toured back actually i didn't think it was a tour i think we i literally just went to a show was hanging out on the bus and you were really in a ghost is that is that something that kind of inspired this kind of bigger theatrical idea i think so i mean i've always been a fan of kiss so i love theatrical stuff king diamond um you know, but Ghost was the newest of all that. And I was like, I always tried to get him on tour with Death Punch and it never could happen. Yeah. And of course, Avenge takes him out and they're fucking, I'm like, God damn it, I told you we should have got them. Yeah. But uh, it, so I love that band. I just love theatrical stuff. I mean, I want to get it as close to Kiss as possible. Even in Death Punch, I was painting up and wearing costumes yeah. and shit towards the end because I fucking get bored. I want to make the show exciting for people, give them something else to look at. Yeah. So. Then you, the, the, you were dressed like you were getting ready to beat up Ralph Macchio. Karate kid, <laughs> yeah, totally the skeleton guy, yeah. Except it was more like a skeletard. It was. Like <laughs> I remember getting jokes from everyone, like, "Hey, I'd be walking in front, you know, the real tight satiny outfit." I'm like, "Hey, whatever, man." I'm going you word well. You word very well. I like the I like the glow in the dark. That was my favorite part. Oh yeah, that was fun. I still have that. That's the last drum kit I still have from all those tours. Good lord, yeah, those are some. You had some crazy kits, man. I did, man. No wonder the drum companies were like, fuck, what do you want this time? And then finally towards the end, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go with this independent guy and build my own fucking thing and pay for it. <laughs> like that way there's no, well, we can't really do that. We can't find that rap or whatever. Fuck you. I'll just do it the way I want. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so with um, Psycho Center, what's the goal? Like, is, it, is the goal to like be in a band full time again and hit the road and just do the whole thing? Or is it more just for fun and just see where it goes. Well, it's both, but I mean, I definitely want to go tour it as many places that will have us um, and and give it a fair shake. You know, I mean, we, we, fuck, we made nine records already. So like we, for two years, we did nothing but write and record and we released nine records on one day. Cause I'm like, I'm tired of the fucking people. You release one song every two months and it's like, I want a body of work out there so you could get a vibe, you know? Because when Go when I discovered Ghost, I was like, fuck, I only have this one record. I want 10. I want all their shit. I want to find out more about this band. So now we have a lot of body of, of work that people can actually Ooh. dive into. I don't think I realized that. Yeah, we released nine records in one day. That's crazy. Yeah. You might be crazy. I don't know if you know this. I don't, I don't even care. I am fucking crazy. And I, don't care. I, I miss the days when people release records, man. What's this one song shit? I, I know it's a new way of doing things and I get it, but I was like, I don't care. I'll, fuck, I'll release a song on a playlist too, but I want fucking uh, albums out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going the other way. Um, cause I, I love albums as well. And I, I like it when it, uh, ultimately presents as an album. And I love it because to me, an album is essentially how you, uh, mark kind of an era of time with a given artist right so yeah. and that and, and all it corresponds with the album artwork or where you're at in your life kind of autobiographically right like what was going mm -hmm. on like you think about oh i was going through this so then we wrote i wrote songs about this and then it kind of it, it factors into that so i love that conceptually and also i think it's it's harder to make a great album than it is to make a great song, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a song that connects with people. You know, it's it's tough to write that. You can't just yeah. shit that out. It just it, it sometimes yeah, but but kind of anyone can get lucky and make yeah. one good song. Yeah. But making an album that works from beginning to end and tells a story is like we kind of 
at least with me, I, I lionize the, these fundamental records, right? Like Thriller or Abbey Road or, you know, the Black Album, right? There's all this Metallica Black. And you think about that album as like one piece of work, right? Yeah. There's no yeah. fucking Black Album songs that didn't make the record. Like you think about it's those 12 songs and you know where you were when you heard it and you know what it means to you. So yeah. I'm totally with you in that. I, I, I love that experience. But I think in terms of promoting music and actually catering to listeners, I think the idea of releasing singles uh, is works really well for the consumer. Because if I'm getting a new song every two months or every month, in a weird way, like, and, and I'm just saying this just as someone who consumes music from yeah. artists that I like, is I'll, a band will release a song and I'll just kind of check that song out for a month or two and I'll really get into that song. And yeah. so it it makes me in a way if I release all those songs at one time, maybe the eighth track or ninth track of the album I wouldn't get as familiar with is if I heard it kind of single serve, you know? Sure. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? It does and I may return to that now that I had to do it this way. I was like I have to do this. Just I know it's crazy. I want to get a bunch of shit out there and I want people to just fucking have stuff that they can go through they'll find stuff they like there'll be shit they don't like fair enough that's how it goes you know whatever i did i did it because i wanted to do it for me and it was stimulating to me do you record and produce all stuff on your own uh my friend sean mcgee and i we both um write and record everything here he's in the band and we uh so we we write and record everything here in vegas good lord you don't nine albums i so now i need to go down and do the, the the uh the rabbit hole this is crazy you need to go down the rabbit hole and buy it once yeah yeah just throw it on the background fucking <laughs> a so so one, one thing i want to talk about is you know there's with with this band especially there's been a certain kind of criticism or oh, backlash yeah. if you you'll call it how what is that how have you kind of dealt with that do you take it seriously do you think it's just whatever it's kind of part of doing business or what's been what's been your your, your vibe with that it's all of it i mean i i certainly learned how to take a lot of hate from being in death punch because sure. it got popular and there was an easy target to hate on so i learned how to deal with all that stuff and some of it was hilarious. Like I, I always said, Hey man, if you're going to dog it, that's great, but at least be creative so we can all enjoy it. Don't <laughs> just say you suck. That's why would that take you all one second to come up with that one? Like fucking let's hear some good shit, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, when people email you directly or hit your inbox to tell you that you're a piece of shit loser, it's that bad. You no, know, I mean, there, there, there were three or four or five people that fuck with me a little bit. And then, uh, you know, but there's always more positive than negative. So, yeah. but I look at it this way. I don't care about the positive or the negative. I appreciate that you like it and that's great, but I don't need to know that. I'm just yeah. doing this for me. I, I don't need it in my brain. I just kind of am writing and recording and putting it out there. And it, there's going to be people that fucking think it's the worst shit ever. And there's going to be people that go, Hey, that's different and that's unique. And that's kind of cool. So that's fine. I mean, it's, um, there were times like in, in at first in death punch when we were getting slaughtered by people so much and you're like, fuck that is affecting. So then I wouldn't read any comments. And then I got back to the point where I'm like, okay, I can read the comments now. I'm comfortable with it. And then I got into, I was really reading the comments cause I love the fucking dogs. I was like, dude, you gotta read this one. This was great. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
so I've kind of learned how to deal with it. But now I just don't really pay attention either way. I mean, I know that the criticism's there, and there's also people that like it too. So it's fine. I I, I did it for me, man. This is I want to do it while it's fun until it's not fun, and then I don't have to do it anymore. So it's okay. Well, what I say with Psycho Center, I think you should go full, just embrace the kind of heel troll, like full on uh Gigi Allen shock rock. Like just do like do the craziest shit that'll yeah. piss the most people off. And oh, yeah. like it, embrace that role. Cause I think in a weird way, right? Like it's better, you know, it's better that people, even if people are shitting on you, or like I said, because Bad Wolves, we we basically were that band. We became a band that people like to say sucks from the from the day one. But what's funny was we were also got really popular really fast too. So I n- noticed there was this dichotomy between having a lot of people talk shit on you and then that there's success there. Kind of like it's like a double-edged sword to a yeah. certain degree. Um, so I definitely know know a lot about that. But I think with the kind of visuals and what the band is, you can get like just getting people's attention is better than have people become kind of like lukewarm or have no opinion of you. Sure. I mean, and there was there was a part of this that no matter what I did, it was never going to be death punch, you know, to people. They're like, well, it's not death punch. It sucks. Or they wear masks. It's stupid. That sucks. Or the music is fucking pussy. It's whatever you hear it all. But and then I knew that. I wouldn't please all those fans, but I didn't care. You know, I mean, I, I appreciate them being a fan of Death Punch and all. I did this for me. So some people are getting it, some aren't. But like you said, hey, man, let's just fucking ride it and push the envelope a little bit. I love it. I love fucking pissing people off. I think it's great. Yeah. One of the songs, one of the recent songs, it kind of reminded me of like him, like or like typo. Hmm. It had the real kind yeah. of gothic kind of yeah. kind of vibe. I thought that was cool. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I have that low. I can't sing high i have to do the baritone thing so <laughs> that's right be a man all right be, be you know get get your uh you know yeah. sinatra <laughs> low singing bring the you know those romance songs do it <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be warp romance though it's gonna be like having sex on the grave romance yeah oh that's 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 the lyrics in the song yeah there we go that's um, number one on the secondary chart that's fucking great, man. Yeah. I mean, you guys are killing the main charts. We're, we're doing good on those secondary charts. Hey, but, hey we're just starting. <laughs> it's great, man. And listen, any, any inroads you can make, uh, it's all about building momentum, you know, yeah. and, and taking one victory and piling that with another victory and kind of staying laser focused. So one of the things about when I was getting ready for this was I, I, I felt remiss because I hadn't read your book. And I was oh. like, because I felt, you know, you – Cause then I could like get into this story, get into this story, and I kind of cause, and there's also questions where it's it's like, well, Doc, if you'd read the book, you wouldn't have to ask that that question. No, dude, ask away anything you want. It's fine. <laughs> um, well, no, I mean, I want to know about the process of actually writing a book because, um, you know, it's it's not easy to write a book. It's time consuming. Did did you write it all yourself? Or did you use a a kind of a another writer to help out? I wrote it. I wrote the first draft and then it was cleaned up by my dad. Um, oh, he'd written, he'd written some books. So, and he knows my voice. So, but he was like, you're, you're onto something here, but if you release it like this, you'll be ostracized because you know, <laughs> I was not nice and I was angry because I was just out of rehab. Yeah. I was fucking feeling every emotion. And I, all I did was write every, I wrote a thousand words a day 
wow. it's like an exercise i was like trying to put my energy in a positive place after coming off the partying years of not knowing what the fuck to do with myself so i'm like hey let's just let's do something that's therapeutic and i started from my earliest memory and then i just wrote a thousand words every day until i got a body of work and i sent it to my dad and he was like it's pretty good man but if you release it like this you're gonna be fucked so let me help you clean it up <laughs> did you did you pull out the the, the blowtorch and uh <laughs> and tell all the did you throw everyone under the bus not, not not a, okay because sometimes because i know some people they'll they'll write a book like uh like rex you know rex brown wrote a book mm. where he like after the fact he kind of regretted you know yeah. saying certain saying certain things and yeah, I did not want to do that. And that was what it wasn't. It wasn't about that. It was about my journey, struggling, growing up, trying to make it in a band and struggling with some addiction things. And it was it turned out to be pretty relatable for a lot of people that, you know, are trying to do the exact same thing. So um, and ironically, for whatever reason, the week it came out, I sold just enough to chart on the New York Times bestsellers chart. That's so amazing. it was like number 10. That's and amazing. I couldn't believe it. I'm, I'm like a New York Times bestselling author. It's so fucking stupid because I never planned on that happening. It wasn't supposed to do that. See, if I were you, you know, any bio or even how I introduce myself, and you'll go to a dinner party. Hello, I'm New York Times bestselling author, <laughs> Jeremy Spencer. How are you? I also am a musician, but that's that's, yeah. my, that's my lead credit, you know. Yeah, if I were my you. lead credit. And then the second one could be I used to keep time for other people's art. <laughs> and now my back doesn't work now my back doesn't work thanks assholes yeah no <laughs> no i'm listen i i i've done a fair bit uh a bit of writing myself and i'd, you know, I'd love to write something at, at some point so i'm always um just interested in the in the process because you you need to be so focused and dedicated over a long period of time to to do something and you know any especially any any book about uh musicians like i can read any book from that perspective because you just we all we all want to be that yeah kind of fly on the wall or get the insider's perspective and and know especially if you're a nerd right about this all this stuff and you want to get all the little the little morsels dude i actually was i wrote most of that book on the trespass tour that was how i was passing my time i would get up i would drink coffee work out and then write like a thousand words that was and then i once i accomplished that i felt good about my day you know and then whatever then you do the rest of the fucking dying a slow death until you go on stage rotting waiting around shit but rotting jesus yeah. you, and you're ready to go back on tour <laughs> well it's a different role so if yeah. it, like i said i'll do it as long as i like it <laughs> i hear you i hear it. well listen listen jeremy man I, this has been so much fun man um you know i always you know just appreciate more than anything, everything we, we do in this industry, the relationships is kind of the thing that uh, you hold with you the, the 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 most. And me and you, I'm sure we could go 10 years without seeing each other and it'll be like picking up from from square one. Yeah. And uh, and I think that's really the that's the best thing about this job, in my opinion. You know, yeah, it's and, really cool. And I think it's important i mean you've always been a really stand-up guy man and i always never forgot that I, I appreciate it because it's easy to deal with some people that are loose cannons and things whatever but you were always a stand-up guy i would recommend you writing that book dude you will kill it you're great well, you have a great you. voice and narrate the fucker yourself when you sell it oh yeah i was <laughs> oh that well i love i love audiobooks so that's like kind of half the thing uh you know trying to think 
how I'm going to narrate it. And especially if you have someone with a great speaking voice, like I, I recommend anyone, uh, if you like Obama, if you, any of his books, cause he has such a great speaking voice, you know, just hearing him, you know, certain people, up, <laughs> you know, what's that? I'll hit him up. Hey, Obama, make you hook me up. Yeah. Hey, man, can you, uh, can you just read my book? I know you're not busy. It's cool. He's not busy. Well, if, you know, Morgan Freeman's not available. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. No, dude, you should do it. I mean, the fans would love to hear it in your voice. I, they really would, man. I think it would be a huge thing for you. Well, it's funny. I was thinking about it because there's like the memoir aspect or the insider. I don't, I don't know if I'm well, like part of me is like, you are you well known enough where it matters that, that, that you write a book? And I think ultimately maybe that's not the the best way to think about it. Um, because me, I, I really, uh, you know, I'm, I'm into kind of maybe the artistic or the technical side of writing and just really like, for example, uh, did you ever read, um, Keith, uh, Keith Richards book, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Like he's a fucking great writer. Yeah. You know, and that's the, that, that's the kind of cool thing is, yeah, there's a story, but there's also kind of the craft of telling a story and being kind of poetic with your language. And and like you said, having a voice and, and going like, oh, this is fucking Keith Richards. And he has a unique way of presenting things. And, and I and that's something that kind of fascinates me. But I'm I, I want to make sure I'm focused exactly what I want to write about. And it, like I said, it's kind of tough where maybe you want to tell a certain story, but you can't put you know make this person look bad and you kind of you know figuring that out is not that easy yeah you got to be real careful with that because there's lawsuits and it's just bad yep. karma and you always have to answer for it everyone's gonna ask you about like they did rex and all those interviews and then he yep. has to defend it it's fucking not worth it i mean i told some funny stories but i didn't throw any dirt in there that was like and i offered the guys the chance to read their parts before i yeah. released it too and everyone declined. So I'm like, okay, well, you trust me. I'm going to release it. And it was okay. So that's why you got to wait till you're like 75 and everyone's dead. And then you can. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And what, you're going to get sued from their estate? Like, no, you're good. <laughs> All right. Listen, Jeremy, man, this has been a lot of fun, man. I'm, I'm happy you're out there. You're rocking. You're doing things. And uh, listen, just, just, just keep it up, man. And uh, you still live in Vegas? Uh, yeah, I do. Yep. All right. Well, hopefully I'll be out there. We can, uh, we can catch up sometime. All right. Love to. Yeah. I'd like to come see a show too. For sure, for sure. Actually, we're playing out there with Volbeat. Yes, when's that? March something, like 4th or something like that. Fuck yeah, I'm there. All right, I'll see you, brother. You have a great one. Is you have anything else to promote? Any albums coming out, shows, anything you want to tell the people? Yeah, we just released nine records, so nine. go down the rabbit hole and uh, give it a Even though we did just finish recording record 10, but it's not out until next year, so. All right, well, if you, listen, if you... You listen. Let them. They need to absorb. I know the first nine. Okay. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting a year. I'm giving them a year. Yeah. Okay. Oh, check that out. Buy Jeremy's book, Death Punched with a apostrophe D. Yeah. And uh, you know maybe we'll get him back on the the New York Times, right? From the X Men. Maybe. maybe yeah. <laughs> all right, brother. You have a great day. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks. You too, man. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Fucking
So you just heard Devil from Hell from Psycho Sinner. And that is Jeremy Spencer's brand new band. I guess it's not that new, but in the grand scheme for him, it's a it's a new project. And yeah, that was the one he said that kind of, you know, they they inspired them to kind of relaunch the band with a new name and bring some of that kind of ballsy energy, stomping metal, all that stuff, kind of little cowboy vibe going on there. Fun song. And Jeremy, he's just a really sweet guy. And I really appreciate him taking his time to be on this show and being able to catch up and take a little trip down memory lane, which is always a good time. And uh, and yeah, check out Psycho, Psycho Center. Nine albums. I don't know if you can do it. You know, that's, 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 that's a lot of listening. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, just def- definitely go check them out. And uh, anyway, I'm trying to think what's what's going on. Listen, I'm I'm up late. The show is a is a day late than it was supposed to be because your boy went to the Lakers game last night. All right, and I got to shout out Becky um, from Harmon, who also they have JBL and AKG Digitech. All the, you know, they they run shit over there, but um, she is just the sweetest person ever. And hooked, hooked your boy up with some Lakers tickets. And I've, I went to see the Lakers before, but it was like preseason and no one was really playing. But I got to see Bron, LeBron James in his glory. He had a great game. Lakers came back one. LeBron was amazing in the fourth quarter. Carmelo Anthony was lighting people up. Dwight Howard grabbing rebounds, elbowing people. Russell Westbrook doing dumb shit and then some good shit. <laughs> but it was, it was pretty sick. I have to say when it, when it, when it started getting going in there, it was, it was a good vibe. So, uh, have to take a moment to appreciate sometimes getting to experience the finer things in life. And I appreciate that as a basketball fan and as a fan who ha- actually hasn't been able to watch much basketball this year, cause I've been so damn busy. And that's kind of how it goes. If, if I'm watching basketball, NBA, I'm probably not getting work done and I just got too much work to get done. So, that's what I'm going to do. Just get back to work, do the thing, get it done. Uh, what else is going on? Nothing bad. We'll getting ready for this tour. That's about it. Getting ready for the tour and going to be playing a lot of guitar, working on tunes, having a good time. And yeah, and I have a bunch of shows I have to book. I am, I have one show recorded, technically two, but one recorded. So that means after next week, I'm at a show. So if I don't get to work doing interviews, there's no podcast. So I have to get to work. So you guys have something to listen to. And I appreciate all the support. It's always great to get good feedback on you guys enjoying the show. And anyway, that's about it. Love you guys. And Mamba's out. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. 
Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers think about jumping off the bed singing along dancing like an idiot and listen to axe grind podcast <laughs>